The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please go to www.folfcrc.com. Let's pray and ask for help. Heavenly Father, we love you, and uh, we're so thankful that all of your word is inspired and helpful, teaches us, encourages us. And Lord, it's my prayer this morning that as we look at your word, you would help me to explain this well and faithfully, and that we would all hear what you have to say uh, and be encouraged. Uh, Show us who you are, what you've done, and who we are to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I I never really thought that I would be here to, uh, to preach on a 50th anniversary for this church. And uh, for those of you who've been here for a while, you, there were times that we wondered if, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't think we would get to a day like this. Um, but you know, as, as we're celebrating, I'm aware of, uh, maybe if you're newer with us or if it's your first time with us today, um, you might feel like a stranger to the celebration. Have you ever been to a party where you didn't really know anybody? Uh, I have, and you're kind of like, oh, this is cool, and I don't know what to do here. I want you to know we're so glad you're here. Um, in fact, you're just as important uh, to us and to what we're all about here as anybody else in this room. We're so glad you're here. Um, I'm also aware that maybe you used to be involved here and then God moved you on to other things and now you're back to join us here this morning and we are so glad that you are here. Thank you so much for being here. This church wouldn't be here without you. Um, thank you for coming. But I'm also wondering if in a way, you might feel like a stranger to the celebration because you haven't been connected here for a while. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I feel a little bit like a stranger to the celebration. We're celebrating how many years? 50 years. So I was negative 11 when this started. <laughs> um, there's 39 years of church here that I don't know anything about. I mean, many of you could tell stories you remember days and I was, you know, I was nothing. Um, So, we can all at a celebration feel a little bit like a stranger sometimes. And that's one thing I like so much about our scripture passage for this morning. Uh, Did any of you feel like strangers as you heard the scripture passage? Um, I mean, this is right when you're trying to read through your Bible and you get through a list of names. Isn't that the part where you're like... (laughs) <laughs> we'll skip to the next part. I mean, it, it feels uh, irrelevant to your life, maybe even boring. You know, probably the only thing that got your attention from this passage was either like if you're about to have a baby and you want like an alternative name no one's come up with, you know, that might help you there. Or maybe you heard the part about greet one another with a holy kiss. So we want to be biblically faithful, so if you could just pucker up and um, turn to your, no. Don't do that. That would be awkward. Now we all feel really strange. Strange. But this text is a celebration. I mean, doesn't Paul seem really excited about these people that he's writing to? Didn't, um, Didn't he seem to be excited about what they shared together? What was he celebrating in this passage? What exactly are we celebrating so, Fountain of Life, are we celebrating 50 years of easygoing? Not a chance. That's not it. Are we celebrating 50 years of perfection? 
God's holy people. Uh, do we have it all together and everybody out there doesn't? Is that what we're celebrating? No way. No way. Um, are we celebrating constant success? Look, what all, look at all we've achieved. No, that's not it. What are we celebrating? I like to think we're celebrating exactly what the apostle is celebrating in this passage. There's three beautiful themes in here that are worth celebrating. It's what Paul is celebrating. Um, they're beautiful. We want to celebrate them. And we can celebrate them. They're real here. They're real in us. You know what? It can bring all of us together. We can all celebrate this. Whether you're new with us today or you were here a long time ago, we can celebrate this together. So here's the three things I want you to see, three things I hope I want to celebrate this morning. Number one is the core of the celebration. Number two is the company for the celebration. And number three is the camaraderie in the celebration. The core, the company, the camaraderie. Now, I hope you'll follow along with me in this text. Again, page 950 in your chair Bibles. We look, I, want, I want to show you a theme. I think you'll pick it up pretty quick. For instance, look at verse 2. You've got uh, Sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centre, that you may welcome her, what? You see it? In the Lord. Look at verse 3. Greet Pisca and Aquila, my fellow workers, what? In Christ Jesus. Look at verse 7. Greet Andronicus, Junia, my kinsmen, fellow prisoners. They're well known to the apostles and they were, what? In Christ before me. Verse 8. Greet Ampeliatus, my beloved, what? In the Lord. Verse 9. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker, in Christ. Greet Apelles, who's approved in Christ. Greet, verse 11, greet those, what? In the Lord. Verse 12, greet those workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, who's worked hard in the Lord. Verse 13, greet Rufus, chosen, what? Are you picking up a theme? How many times are you going to say it? In the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord, in Christ, in Christ. What does that mean? What does that mean? Because what you're looking at here is the best thing you could possibly ever have. And this is, this is the ultimate celebration right here, if you have this. This is it. What are we talking about? Well, the first thing I think we probably need to remember a little bit is, you know, what does Christ mean? Is that Jesus' last name? Um, no. Is it, a, is it a nickname? No. It's a title. Look with me. should be on the overhead. Romans 1, 1 to 3. This is how Paul starts his letter. Paul, a servant of who? Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, the good news, verse 2, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. It was promised. Verse 3, the promises are concerning his what? His son, who is descended from David, that's at Israelite king, according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ means promised divine king. But a huge part of that is promised. God made promises, and Jesus is the answer to those promises. I want to remember kind of the storyline of the Bible. You realize Christianity is unique in that it has 
the ultimate start and it has the ultimate finish and it's a story, it's going somewhere. Other religions, other worldviews don't give this to you in the same way. They can't give you where you're from and why it's like this and where it's going. Meaning in life is revealed in the scriptures and in Christ. And we remember the storyline, and those of you who are used to being here at Fountain of Life, you, you can help me out a little bit. What's scene one? Creation, right? Cre- creation. Everything is so beautiful and wonderful because God made it that way. There's a holy God set apart in his beauty, his majesty, and his power, and, he, and his glory is in, just infused in everything that he's made. It declares the glory of God. And the best part of his creation was humanity. And we're made to know him. Did you know that? You're made to know him. You're made to enjoy him. You're made to submit to him as your God. He's the one who gives you meaning and purpose and life. Creation, it's good. Isn't, don't you see the goodness of creation all around you? But what's scene two? What's the problem? The fall, the fall. From the very beginning, our parents, our forefathers, they said, we don't, we don't want God to be our authority we don't want to be submitted to him, so we're going to replace him with something else. We're going to invent a new God, or heck, we'll just put ourselves in his place. I'll be in charge of my own life. I'll define my own right and wrong, the fall. And with the fall came just this epic, this curse, this judgment on everything. Physical death, relational death, emotional death, political death. We're, we're broken. Don't, don't you see? Don't you see this complexity in the world around you, it's both beautiful and amazing and also, I mean, we all know what happened in Paris this week, right? Uh, evil, right? Darkness, suffering. What is, why is it like this? Why do we know there's beauty and love and, and wonder and also, also such wickedness and suffering? What happened? Well, we were created good and we rebelled against God and now it's fallen. It's fallen, then there, that third scene of the Bible, really, I like to sum up the whole Old Testament like this, promise, promise, where God has said, I'm not going to leave it like this. I'm not going to leave it like this. I'm going to save. I'm going to redeem. And I'm going pro- to save it through the Christ. He's the one who's going to save us. He's, gonna, he's the one who's going to redeem it. And he's coming. The Christ is coming, the whole Testament. The Christ is coming. And then you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and what's the author saying? He's come. He's here. He's here. He's our hope. He's our redemption. You saw details about him, right? He, he fulfills all the promises of God. He's, he's, a, he's a son of David. He's the true king. And he's also the eternal son of God. And he rose from the dead. Can you think of any other religious leaders who predicted their murder in detail and that they would rise on the third day and then did it? Anybody else out there? Who is this? Who is this? And he does it. And then Paul says, the Spirit's showing you. He's the Son of God. This is the Christ. And he's the one who's going to bring renewal, that final chapter. He's the one who's going to return again and fix it all, heal it all, Save us all. And remember, what are we celebrating today? We are in Christ. In Christ. We don't talk that way about a lot of relationships. It's not just that you could meet him once or that you could know about him, but we're celebrating a union with him, a connection with him to where he knows you and me intimately. The son of God and he's close, and we're in him, we're connected to him, and we have so, so many good things from the Lord 
through him. Like, look at, look at Romans 5, 1 to 2. In Christ, there's so much to unpack here. I'll go quickly. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been, what, you see that word? Justified. Just to make it simple, justification is, a, is this big trade. His life for yours, okay? When it comes to God's standard, I don't know about you, but I have failed. I have rebelled. I deserve his judgment. Jesus, on the other hand, was perfect, lived a perfect life. And he makes a trade. He takes my sin and gives me his perfection. So that when I trust in him, I'm in Christ and his life is counted for mine. And his death is counted for what I deserve. So that in him, justified, I'm made right with God. Did you know you could be made right with God? Even though you've done all those things you know you've done, even though you've, you've thought all those things that maybe only, you know, he knows you've thought them. You did, you did those things, those skeletons in your closet. You know, he, you can be made right with God freely. It only happens in Christ. We've been justified by faith. We have what? What do we have? Peace with God. Peace with God. Are you ever worried that God is uh, angry at you? Mad at you? He knows. He's never going to let it up. Feel like God is against you? Well, in Christ, you can know that when God the Father looks towards you, thinks of you, everything's just fine. You have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, verse two, through him, that's Christ, we've obtained access by faith into what? This grace in which we stand. First of all, don't you like that image of standing, kind of surrounded by something, or you're, you're uh, founded upon something? What is it that you stand in if you're in Christ? Grace. Stand in grace. Founded on grace. What is grace? The undeserved, lavish love of God for you. And the best part of the definition on grace is undeserved. It's undeserved. You think, I could never deserve this. Why would God love me? That's just it. In Christ. Christ earned it for you. And you can stand in grace through him. Not only that, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Anybody ever, ever, any of you ever go to like a hall of, uh, the dressing room, you know, you go to a dressing room, try on clothes, and it's got mirrors on all four sides so you can see yourself and despair. <laughs> Do you guys ever go there for vacation? I just need to get away, I need some me time, and I'm going to look at myself. That would be a horrid vacation. Um, you would never do that for vacation. Where, where do you want to go for a vacation? You want to go to like, a lot of people want to come here. We live here. Isn't that awesome? Um, you want to go to the beach and you want to see the sunset over the Pacific, right? You want to go to the Grand Canyon and put your toes right on the edge and go, oh my goodness. I want to go to Yellowstone and know that there could be a grizzly bear over the next hill. <laughs> I do. We've done that once and we're doing it again. Because there's this, this thrill of, of glory. It's a little dangerous and it's so gorgeous. Okay? All, what is it gonna be like for you to stand in the face of God? You don't wanna do that without Christ. Right? You, you don't wanna do that alone based on your own goodness. 
But if you were in Christ, if, if his righteousness surrounded you, if you were loved like the Father loves the Son, that's yours in Christ, you could stand there and you could see and you could be amazed and you could be overwhelmed. In Christ, we rejoice in the hope of that very thing. We're gonna see him. And we're not gonna have to be ashamed. We're gonna be fully included and we're gonna be awe-inspired and amazed. And we're gonna, we're gonna be thrilled. And that's yours in Christ. This is how we should view our whole life. Look at Romans 6.11. So you must consider yourselves what? Dead to sin. In the argument of that chapter, when you trust in Jesus, it's as if your old life of rebellion against God died with Jesus on the cross. How did you die with somebody who died 2,000 years ago? Well, you're in Christ. God has united you to him by faith. Not only that, you, could, should, you should consider yourself alive to what? To God. You have this new relationship with God, for God, about God. And you have that how? In Christ Jesus. One more word to point out. How do you, how do you get all this? How do you get in Christ Jesus? You got to fix yourself first. Go make yourself a good person. Then come back. And maybe he'll be like, okay. Is that how you do it? Not a chance. No, nobody can do that. Not a chance. There's one way to do it, and we've seen it. It's by faith. You trust him. And so it's given to you freely in his grace, his undeserved love. He will give you Christ, his very son, and you can be in him, united to him, connected to him, right with God, peace with God, dead to the old life of rebellion, alive to a new life of being a child of God, and now you know what you're made for, and you can delight in the very glory of God forever, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. I don't know about you, but that's the very best thing in the universe. If you don't have anything else but you have in Christ, you're going to be okay. You'll receive the kingdom. You'll be in the face of God for, forever, knowing his love. You'll be okay. If you have everything else but you don't have in Christ, sorry. It's upside down. It's lost. In Christ. It's the most precious thing possible. You can have it freely, by grace, through faith. Trust him. Trust what he's done. Say, Jesus, I need you. Save me. You have him. And God unites you to his son. You're in Christ. And 50 years, that's what's kept this church going. What is it? We're in Christ. We're in Christ. When we've had nothing else, we've had that. We're in Christ. We're in Christ. We wouldn't be a church without that. But we have it. Is that worth celebrating? Is that worth celebrating? Oh, it's the best thing there is. And if you're new to this and you're like, I'm not sure about this, guess what? It, the, the person who's been here from the first day the ground broke and worshiped Jesus all their life, they're in Christ through faith. And if you, you've been a horrible, terrible sinner, whatever you did, and you trusted Christ today, guess what you'd be? In Christ. Now, would that other person be more in Christ than you because they've been a Christian longer? No, you'd be just as in Christ right now, completely fully, by grace through faith, you can have it now. We can all celebrate that right now. You're in. I may never have met you. You trust Christ. You're my sister. You're my brother. We're in. Let's celebrate. That's what you see Paul celebrating, that they're in Christ together. Not only that, you see his attitude towards them because of what they share in Christ. So back in Romans 16, show you a few times. Look at verse 5. What does Paul call Epinatus. What's the adjective there? Verse five, my what? Beloved Epinatus. What's beloved mean? You know, we're, the church is called this a lot of times in the New Testament. It's 
kind of an awkward title. Um, beloved, do you have anybody that calls you that? My dear beloved, what would you do if they did? Um, it, it really means, the best thing I can call you, what this title means, the best thing I can say about you is that you're so loved. Like your title is one who is loved. You're so loved. God has loved you so much. You're in Christ. He loves you like he loves his son. You're so loved. You're precious. And then if, if I'm precious to God and you're precious to God, what should you be to me? Precious. If I'm beloved and you're beloved, we're beloved together. And that's what he says, verse eight, greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet the beloved Persis who worked hard in the Lord. This isn't just a list. You know, we read and we're like, eh, boring list. And if Paul was here, he'd be like, no, 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 let me tell you about these people. I love these people. You know, imagine some of you are reading a list of everyone here 50 years from now. And a lot of you are like, I won't be there for that reading. <laughs> but some of you could make it, maybe. And uh, the list goes, and somebody you're with could be like, oh, boring, why are we reading this list? And you might say, hey, wait a second. I remember that person. That person loved me. I love that person. That person did this. They were like this. Uh, this is not just a list of Paul. These are beloved people that he loves. And in Christ, we are beloved to God, and we're supposed to be, we are beloved to one another. Look what Paul says about this in Colossians 3. It's not always easy. Colossians 3, verse 12, Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy in what? What are we? Beloved. And then he says he's got a whole list of things to put on, compassion, hearts, kindness, meekness, patience. But he sums it up later. It's love. Love one another. Love one another. It even has verse 13, which is a, re a really important verse for church. What does it say in verse 13? Bearing with one another. Now, you don't bear with something you enjoy, right? If one of you is like, can I take you to sushi? I'll be like, I'll bear with it. You know? No, yes, when? Right? Bear with me, we're having tacos this afternoon. You know, did you know that, you know, in Hebrew it says manna, and in Spanish it says taco? <laughs> right? I'm the pastor, I'm the linguistic, okay? That's what, food from heaven will bear with it. Oh, you know, no, no, no. But the Bible tells you that when you're at church, one thing you're going to have to do is what? You're going to have to bear with one another which means you are gonna drive you crazy. It means, I know, I know, I have driven some of you crazy. Maybe once or twice, maybe you have driven, maybe, no, just a little. <laughs> but, but what is it? It's a prediction, right? And we say of church, well, I can't, you know, I can't, that person did something, I'm out. But no, 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 listen, bear with one another. Because I'm in Christ. You know what Jesus is doing for me every day? He's bearing with me, right? Every day, he's bearing with me. And we bear with one another. You see it in verse 13, how far this goes. As the Lord has forgiven you, what should you do? So also, you must forgive. Now, you need to think about this. How has the Lord forgiven you? 
Is he letting the little stuff go, but he's got some whoppers in his pocket that he's saving for later? You know? You better, you, we better hope that's not how he forgives us. No, his forgiveness is, is complete. Far as the east is from the west, Jesus paid for every sin. We're totally forgiven. Amazing, amazing. Okay, so now what for one another? He's forgiven me that way. We forgive one another that way. It's not always easy, is it? It's tough. We mess it up a lot. But listen, it's something to be treasured. We were never supposed to come to a church where we were never, ever offended. That, was, that wasn't ever the way it was drawn up. We were, come to, we're supposed to come to a church where we can live out the gospel together. And when you're offended, somebody does something to you, guess what you have an opportunity to do? You have an opportunity now in real time, real, real history, to show the love of Jesus in action. And so we can celebrate 50 years of enduring in love for one another. That's a celebration. I want to thank you for how you have forgiven me over and over again. I mean that. And you've forgiven and loved one another. You've served one another. There's so many examples of how you, I, we have been beloved to one another. Couldn't we tell long stories of people loving us, serving us, being kind to us? That is something to celebrate. Paul is celebrating the love for one another in the church. He's celebrating the company. We get to know Christ together. Thank you for how you've loved over 50 years. So we celebrate that we're in Christ. We celebrate the company of one another, being beloved to one another. Here's the third part. You know, when you're in Christ and you love him, you want to work for him. You want the world to know him. You want to start loving. You want to start serving. And you get a deep appreciation for the others who work for it with you. Did you notice a theme of work in this passage? I want to show you some of it because it reminds me of so many of you. So look at verse 1, our, our wonderful sister Phoebe. I commend you our sister Phoebe. What is she called? Servant in Greek, that's probably deacon. A deacon of the church in Centre, that you may welcome her in, a, in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever way she may need from you, for she's been a patron of many and of myself as well. It's believed that she actually brought this letter to the church in Rome she had an office, a role with, with the church in Centre, uh, and she's a patron, which means she had some money, and she was supporting the mission. And Paul commends her and says, you know, give her everything she needs. She's awesome. She's great. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of many strong, talented, capable, generous, faithful women who have served this church. We would not make it without you. Thank you for serving. We also see, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. What's he highlighted there in verse three? Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers. They're willing to work. In fact, verse four, they risked their necks for my life. We don't know when that happened. Paul is in danger all the time. Uh, but maybe the riot in Ephesus, they came to get him, to save him. But you see this group, we know from the book of Acts, they were kicked out of Rome when an emperor expelled all the Jews. So this, this is a couple that is known suffering. They were refugees. They lost everything. We see here that they, they hosted a church, 
Uh, we know from other places they gave some good advice to a, a preacher when he was a little off. They're teachers. What do we have here? We have this godly, faithful couple who's been through the wars and they keep going. And they're hosting churches in their homes. They're mentoring people. They're people Paul can lean on. And he says, oh, my fellow workers, I love you. Thanks for working with me. And it reminds me of so many of you, faithful Faithful workers, faithful couples who give, you're generous, you host, you bring people in, you mentor. This church wouldn't be anything without you. Thank you for serving. Verse five, greet the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinatus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. That's a cool title. You know, first one ever. You get a trophy for that. It just reminded me of, of those of you who be, who've come to Christ in this church through this church, and that makes me happier than anything. Um, praise God. He's saving us, right? He's saving us. We, do you remember where you were? I remember where I was. He's worked in our lives. He's brought us together. The work, the work of the gospel is going forward. Praise God. It's worth celebrating. Look at verse 7. Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, fellow prisoners, we've hit some jail time together, and just so you know, why were they in jail? Preaching the gospel. The Romans said, Caesar is Lord, and the Christians said, Jesus is Lord. That leads to a problem. Andronicus and Junius are probably kind of well-known, faithful evangelists, missionaries, hard workers. It reminds me of missionaries we've supported. If you were here Thursday night, wow, what a party. VJ planting churches in India where uh, the, the Bylers going to South Sudan to unreached peoples, having Majid and Mary here reaching out to uh, Middle East, Eastern peoples. Wow. Trips to Haiti going forward. This little church has given a lot of money to orphans in Haiti over the last six years. It's awesome. That's something to celebrate. The work that we have done together for the Lord Jesus. I love verse six. Look at verse six. Short and sweet. Greet Mary, who is what? That lady worked hard. What'd she do? I wish we knew. But she worked hard. Verse 12. Greet those workers in the Lord. Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who worked hard in the Lord. Imagine your name on this list. Wouldn't it be kind of cool to have the apostle be like, oh, and greet that person. Because that sister works for the church. Greet that dude, that brother, is always there working for the church. This church wouldn't be without volunteer work. Wouldn't happen. So many of you have put out so much blood, sweat, and tears to make this church happen. I got a little secret for you today. When you go outside and you see the nice flower arrangements and the tablecloths and all that stuff, I know you're going to be shocked by this. I didn't do that. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, and a million other things just like it. Uh, worship teams that come at 8.30 in the morning and practice and play, and then come again at night on Sunday nights for the young adult service. That's work. And they do it. They work hard. They work hard. How does the communion elements always show up? You know, it would be nice if, like, the Holy Spirit was just, like, the body and the blood at the table. But no, people have to, 
to buy it, put it together. Just little details, right? Sound systems, overheads, making it work. Some of you worked on the building hours and hours and hours. It's a little stuff, right? It's not sexy. It's not in, the, it's not in like the Christianity today. Like, volunteer A spent four hours changing light bulbs. <laughs> but that's what makes church go. Thank you for your work. I love verse 13. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mom. She's like a mother to me too. Maybe Paul was sick and he needed some chicken noodle soup. And Rufus's mom was like, I got you. You know? Maybe we know Paul's been beaten many times, lashed on his back. That probably doesn't go away in a day or two. Maybe she's the one cleaning his cuts out every morning. But she's like a mom. You know what your mom's like to you. Paul, he's alone a lot. He's traveling a lot. Wouldn't it be great for him to have somebody like a mom? A little hospitality, a little home cooking. He says, that's Ruva's mom. That's her to me. You guys have been like family to us. When we drove out here across the whole stinking country, we left every relative and uh, the support you've given us. It's like a family. Come on, for many of us, right? This is, this is even better than family. Now, as we say that, we want to bring everybody into that as much as you want to be there, right? We don't just want to do little clicky. It's, it's like a family for me for these four people. We don't want to be that way. We want that to be that way for everybody. So there's always more work to do. There's always more work to do. But for this morning, what can we celebrate? We've worked hard together for the Lord. We have over the years. We've loved one another like family. Not perfectly, heck no, but we have. It's there, and it's worth celebrating. So 50 years, we have a lot to be thankful for. The best part is what? We are in Christ. The second is we have good company, beloved in the Lord, and the third is, we've got good work to do for the glory of Jesus. After 50 years, that's a lot to be thankful for. And that's why Paul talks like he does in verse 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. You realize he said greet one another 18 times? Greet 18 times. Greet, 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 greet. Why? Why? It's a way to express appreciation and celebration for who we are and what we have together. And you shouldn't greet one another coldly. Oh, hey, what's up? I don't care if you're here or not. That wouldn't glorify what it means to be in Christ. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, we can all tell the difference between a principle and a cultural expression. If you've ever traveled, you know some people do greet one another with a kiss. Kiss on both cheeks. It's Fine, it's great. In America, we don't do that. Okay. But the point is, greet one another like you are who you are. Do you value being in Christ? I do. Do you value that others are in Christ and that we have a partnership and a work together? I do. Let's greet one another like we mean it. We're in Christ, we're in good company, we have a camaraderie in working for him. We've had it for 50 years, and guess what? 
even if Fountain of Life Fellowship dies one day, we'll never lose these things. We'll have them forever. Forever. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for 50 years of your kindness and faithfulness. We thank you that we are in Christ by grace through faith, freely saved, freely loved by you, and our hope is in your glory at his return. And Lord, we also thank you for one another, that we could love one another, serve one another. Lord, as we say that, we ask that you'd help us do it better, be more effective. We also, pray, we, we also thank you for the work that we've had together, all the ways we could serve, all the ways we could invest, all the ways we could give. Thank you. We pray that it would continue. So Lord, stir this up in us. We give you glory, we thank you. In Christ, if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, I pray you'd push them over that edge. Show them who, who you are. They'd trust in you and they'd know they're in Christ and that we could join together more and more as your beloved family and join together more and more in the work that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.